This verse for me has been seriously, it's been a constant really my entire life. My grandmother, when I was really young, in preschool, she taught me this verse and I memorized it. And then, you know, uh, as you kind of get these life uh, markers, like graduation, I had like ordination into the ministry and I did all these kind of things. Uh, this verse was always present. It seemed like anytime there was a transition in my life that this verse was p- present for me. And, and it was key for Aaron too. We found out like in her life, my wife, she like when she graduated in different times in her life, this verse was also key for, uh, for her. And then for our family. Uh, it became a really, really a life verse for our family because we have moved eight times in 12 years of marriage. Eight times. We have owned four different homes while we've been married for just 12 years. Now, I don't prescribe that for anybody. Uh, it will make, it will absolutely make your marriage uh, show you where it's really, it needs help, but also really strengthen it as well. And your communication skills kind of get the, you know, you're on the cliff notes of learning it all. And so we have moved a lot and there's been just a ton of transition. And uh, I really want to start kind of from the beginning for me in 2005, I moved down here to marry my wife now, Aaron, and we've been married for 12 years. Years. And in 2005, I moved down here and uh, Aaron had been a part of the ring for, for I don't know, for a long time. And, and I just kind of joined right in with that and uh, came to the church and uh, we got married and stayed here from 2005 to 2007. Now, when I moved down here in 2005, I just graduated college and I knew God had called me into ministry. I knew that I wanted to be a pastor uh, and, and I felt like I had all the skills. So what does anyone do? If you graduate a college, what do you do? You, you fill out tons of applications. So I, I literally filled out 30 applications for churches and sent them all out to Baton Rouge. And I want to tell you, I still haven't heard from one of those. <laughs> Um, so like anybody, it made you really question, is this what God's called me to do really be a pastor and all this? Well, at the time, uh, the ring is starting to form into this church, this awesome, like the ring community church is going to happen. And we were going to be a part, me and Aaron, a part of this plant and all this stuff. And so in my mind, it was lining up pretty perfectly. You know, uh, it was going to be a church plant. I love Josh. I knew him and surely like it was just going to kind of ease in. I was going to be on staff and I was going to be a part of the ring community church. So I went and sat down with Josh and I sat across from him. And you ever like want someone to get the picture of what you're talking about, but you kind of beat around the bush and hope they kind of pick it up what you're putting down, you know, like you hope they're understanding all that stuff. So I'm sitting across the table from Josh. I'm like, man, I really want to bless the ring. I really want to be a part of, I want to be a part of leadership without saying, Hey, how about you give me a staff position, you know? And so we, I kind of pour and bear my soul and he looks at me. He's like, yeah, man, we really need you to just pick up speakers at the end of the service, you know, and uh, pick up speaker wise and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, does that pay a salary? Like, do you get money for that? And, uh, you know, it turns out you don't. And so for the next year and a half year or so, we, we, we helped the ring community church. We helped kind of see it, get it off, off its feet there. And I, I was going through this box, uh, randomly yesterday or a couple of days ago, and I found these two cards and they are cards that says, I'm committed to pray as we continue to see God and his vision for the ring community church. And it has my, my name and Aaron's name on it, commitment cards. And it was just a reminder. God started something then that he was going to complete 12 years later and move us here into five following the Lord. And so we moved to Lexington in 2007. I spent some time at Hope Community Church where Josh's brother Drew is on staff, spent five or six years with him on staff and then moved to New Life Church where I come from. Um, 
And New Life Church uh, is a church that's right smack dab in the middle of the projects. And we had a soup kitchen, a clothes closet. We had a homeless shelter. Uh, we serve 15,000 meals from our soup kitchen every year. Uh, God, uh, the, the, the slogan or the motto was, we are a church for the community. And uh, we, we really felt passionate about that. I love that church. I love that church with all my heart. I gave everything I had to that place. And I still love it. It's part of, it's part of me. Uh, because when we went there, we had like 20 or 30 people and two kids, and those were mine. And by the time we left, God had, God had honored us and our work and all those things. We had like 130 people. God was growing it. Things were just, things were just going so well until I got this text message from Jim And it said, hey, dude, if you have time this week, I want to talk to you. And I was like, this is in September. And I was like, cool, man. I didn't, I'm friends with Josh. So I was like, didn't think much of it. So I told Aaron and she said, if he calls, do not answer that phone. <laughs> and I said, I got to answer the phone. He's my friend, you know? And, and so, uh, he calls and she said, he's going to offer you a job. And you know, we're going to move down to Baton Rouge, you know, and I, I, life right now is perfect. You know, we have, uh, we live a mile from my parents. So we have built-in babysitters, which is awesome. Uh, amen to that. Uh, we live a mile from the baseball field. Uh, we live a block from one of the safest and nicest elementary schools in the state of Kentucky. Uh, Grady walked to and from school every single day. Uh, our life, it didn't make any sense in the world for us to want to move. And so Josh calls and, uh, I talked to him on the phone. I said, Hey, the Lord works with me pretty quickly. I'll know, uh, whether I'm going to uh, come or not. And so in a couple of days I called him back and said, no, man, I just, it's not time. And so I hung up the phone and I just kind of let it rest. And on one Sunday morning or the next Sunday morning, I get a text from Aaron. Uh, and she says, um, did you actually pray about that, that answer of saying no? And I was like, you know, I kind of took it logically in my mind, like it doesn't make sense, but I don't know if I really like laid at the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, is this what you want for our family? Do you really want to move us from all of this like safe, like so safe and so great place? Do, is that really what you want? And I, 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 this is like 20 minutes before I preached. And I was like, aren't you the same person that said, don't answer the phone, you know? And so uh, I texted her back and I was like, no, I, no, I haven't. So we committed the next couple of days of praying and I called Josh back and said, hey, you remember that time I said no? You mind if I say yes, you know? <laughs> And so sure enough, uh, sure enough, I said, I said, yes. And God began to move us here and, and it's been such, such a blessing. And, and with any, any great, any great, uh, step of obedience, God gives you some things that are blessing. You know, we sold our house in 13 days In 13 days. We sold our house, our house. We only owned for a year and a half. And, uh, somehow we increased uh, the value by $30,000. Because you guys are real proud of your real estate. And so like, uh, I needed to make a little more cash on the house so I could actually afford a house here. But God blessed us with $30,000 more on our house. I have no, I didn't put that much, I built a deck. You know, that's about it. And so it's totally blessed us in that way. And, and we found a house here that wasn't in a flood zone, that didn't get flooded during the, and which is also a super blessing because that's really, really hard to find. In every single step, God took care of us. And we are just so thankful And like with any obedient step, not only does he give you blessing, but he also says, John, you're going to have to lay some things down to come here. You're going to have to count the cost of moving. And those things that I mentioned before, being a mile from baseball, you know, I I worked with a a football team as a character coach. I knew the superintendent. I knew the head. It's like Friday night lights there. You know, I knew the head coach. I knew everybody. Like it was a safe parent's dream 
I had, I love control. I like to control things. Like, I don't know if anybody doesn't, but like, I love to control things so I could control anything that kind of came in and out of my family's life. And the Lord said, no, John, I want you to lay all that down. I want you to lay all that down because I have, that's a good plan, but I got a best plan for you. I got a best plan for you and your family. So again and again through this process, God has said, uh, God has said, you can trust me. And that's really what this verse is talking about in Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Can God be trusted? Can he be trusted? Is, re- is he really that faithful? Is he, the, is he the God of faith of Abraham? Is he the same God that, that, we, that we see in our life today? And I want to tell you this morning, he is. And this verse points to those things. It points to that when we trust in him and we give him our whole life and we submit our whole life to him, we get to see, we get to be the beneficiaries of that, of that blessing and of him showing us that. So if you look at the text, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, this book is written, 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 this book is written by a man named Solomon. He's a king. And in first Kings chapter three, verse seven through 13, it talks about this story of God saying, Hey, I'll give you anything in the world, Solomon. You just have to ask for it. And what does Solomon ask for? He asks for wisdom and knowledge and and, and a mind. And he, out of that wisdom, he's given us this book. And I got to tell you, I probably, if God said, I'll give you anything, I probably wouldn't ask for wisdom, but he was right in doing so. And so he gives us this book and in chapters, the chapters one through nine are written specifically for young families and for youth and for teenagers. It's kind of written around those folks, but it's something for all of us because if I know anything about young families and teenagers is that they are a people in transition. I mean, they are moving and shaking and doing all, we're having babies, you know, we're uh, things are moving in and out of our life all the time. There's all these milestones that are going. And if I know anything is that it's, it's, it's about a life of transition, but I would say that's true for all of us. For our church, we have, have we not been in a transition, right? And for our lives, there's things always moving in and out. So these are words that are applicable to anyone in this room. That is wisdom that we can hang on to. So uh, this, this scripture uh, is written for us to understand that God can be trusted. The first word of this whole scripture is trust. And it's the Hebrew word for literally laying face down on the ground in a position of weakness and submission. I don't know if anyone, I'm not one of those that wants to volunteer for submission. Submission is a hard thing. It's literally totally giving yourself to something else and saying, I I trust totally in you and what the next step is for my life. He wants us to see in a place of weakness and vulnerability because the scripture teaches us that in our weakness, he is what? He's stronger. He's stronger. He, He pulls through in our weakest points. But it takes us submitting to God's plan. It, it takes us totally trusting in him. And trusting, unfortunately, is not getting all the answers up front. I know I'm that kind of person. Lord, I'll go to Baton Rouge, but you're going to have to like show me all the school that my kids are going to. You're going to have to do all that right now. I need to know it now before I get there. Lord's like, no, I just want you to trust me in the yes that you just said. That's it. I just want you to trust me with that next obedience step. You don't get all of those things up front. Proverbs 16, three, same writer says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit all of your works to him and he will show us those things. So why do we trust? Why is it? Why do, why can't, how do we trust? Why do we trust? And, and there's over 5,000 promises in the Bible. There's over 5,000 promises in the Bible that we can read. But the greatest promise he gave us is that promise of his son, Jesus. 
And we can always go back to that. If you ever wondered, like, there's a ton of promises, but you can always go back that he said he would send his son for us to die on the cross and be raised again. You can always go back to that promise and say that he truly can be trusted. He gave his own son. Trusting God is not out of keeping a rule, but it's out of love for him and glorifying him and who he is. So how do we trust? Solomon gives us this great picture of how we trust. He says, first, you got to trust by giving all of your heart, not just some of your heart. He wants every single part of your heart. It's easy for us to mask and conceal what God wants to uncover and heal. It is easy for us to mask and conceal what God, he so desperately wants us to uncover and heal. The scriptures say that our heart is the wellspring of life. And it's true of us that, uh, for me, that even in my life, in my times of depression or anxiety that I've struggled with greatly in my life, there are times where the the enemy, he wants to really attack and say, I should be isolated or remove me uh, away from those kind of uh, exposing my heart to the Lord, all of my heart. And to say, it's best for me to kind of deal with it on my own. But the Lord says, no, I don't want just part of your heart. I want the weakest part. I want the parts that hurt because I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who knows you. I'm the one who knows how many hairs are on your head or how many there are not, you know? I know everything about you. Psalm 20, chapter, Psalm chapter 20, verse 7 says, Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God, and we boast because he made us to love us. When, I'm, when I moved to Baton Rouge, I, I kind of I I overthink things all the time. I'm pretty type A. I get pretty hyped up about stuff. And so I was thinking, if you can't tell, uh, I was thinking about you know, all the stuff that goes in with moving and all those things. And one of the things that happens when you sell your house, you get your home inspected. You ever had a home inspection? They're the worst. Uh, they give you a packet of all these things that like your, your house is like going to fall apart, but actually it's a nice structure, you know? And so what do you do before a home inspection? You decide to go in and fix all the things you were supposed to fix a long time ago. You know, that big honeydew list. You're like, oh, I got to do this, this, and this, because someone's coming in to look at your heart or to look at your house. But in the same way, God wants to not inspect our heart like you're doing these things wrong, but he wants us not to fix all these things and get ready. He just wants us to invite him in and to look in on all of our heart and say, here's the places that I struggle. Here is where I need you most. And I promise you, he will pull through. I promise you, he will pull through. So he says, give me all of your heart. And then he says, lean not on your own understanding. We live in the information age. You can Google everything I'm talking about right now and find out if I'm really saying what I'm supposed to be saying. We can do it all with it. We can live in our basement with our phone and be fine, you know? We live in an information age. Uh, there's books written about everything. And, and so, but, but the Lord's saying, like, those things are okay. It's okay to plan. It's okay to prepare. But it's not okay for you to rely on yourself. He said, you, I want you to lean not on your own understanding means that you have to totally rely on him. To absolutely, totally give yourself to him and rely on his wisdom because his wisdom is best. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's what Proverbs 16, 9 says. We can, it's okay to plan for your retirement. It's okay to, to do all of those things, to plan for your day and to plan for your week, vacations. I'm not saying like you should wake up and not have a plan, you know, but I am saying this, that we should rely on God's wisdom when it comes to planning because he knows us best. And he knows what we need and it helps us to trust him and show himself faithful. 
Oftentimes, when it comes to leaning on your own understanding, the frustration comes is that we don't get the picture up front. We just kind of get the small little picture, right? The next obedient stuff. Is that not frustrating sometimes? It is for me. I got to think about this man named Moses who led a nation, right? Crossed the big Red Sea, parted that thing. I mean, it's pretty cool. And, uh, and so, but you remember what he did before that? He spent 40 years tended to somebody else's flock. Remember that? God, you know, he killed an Egyptian. He ran off into the, to the desert, right? And he found, found his family there basically, but he tended for 40 years, tended to someone else's flock. But you know, in the process, God was doing two things. On the outside, he was teaching Moses literally how to take care of himself in a desert, how to take care of a flock. He was teaching him how to, how to prepare, how to have enough water to lead a nation, right? He was teaching him all those things. Moses probably didn't realize that uh, in the process. And on the inside, he was, he was also learning how to deal with uh, stubborn old sheep, Stubborn old flock that he would have to lead to a different place to eat and to be, to, to, to drink and to live. And guess what he would, guess what God would do with it? He would lead a nation in a desert to freedom. He would do the same thing with those folks. Sometimes we only get the small picture. Sometimes we're tending to a flock, but we want to do all these other things. But God says, no, just trust me in the balance of right now. Lean on the wisdom that I give you. Because when we lean on him, It is a life full of relief. It's a life full of rest. And then he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, in all your ways, you should know him. In every move that you make in your life, in every transition, in your public life, you should acknowledge him. But he wants you to acknowledge him in your private life too. When you're alone, when you're just in your thoughts, He wants you to acknowledge him there too in every way. He wants to know all of those things, not just in our Sunday ways, not just when we come to church ways, but in every single way, every single day, he wants us to acknowledge him. Again, Proverbs 16, three, commit your works to the Lord and his plans will be established. And then God gives us this great promise through this scripture that your path will be straight. And when we, when we trust and we acknowledge and we acknowledge him in every way and we lean on his understanding and our path is straight, it keeps us from a life of sin. When our path is straight and we are totally focused on the Lord, it keeps us from a life of sin and it keeps us from a life of pain in our choices because we're always going through him. We're always going to him to make the choices and the plans in our life. Uh, I don't, I don't sleep real well. I never really have. I'm always waking up at like three or four in the morning. Anybody ever have that problem? Like you just kind of, yeah, like you just wake up and you, you kind of stirred. And so I've learned in, in that time, like years of doing that to stop and just pray and ask the Lord, like, what you trying to teach me? What's going on? And, and I remember I was thinking about this sermon a couple of weeks ago and I woke up and I began to pray specifically about this path, this idea of a path. And God gave me this picture um, when I, uh, some years back, you might've heard about this story. We went to the Adirondacks, me and a group of guys, and, uh, we decided to, to do this big old, huge hike up a hill to see this big, huge waterfall that ended up being like this big. And, uh, it was like a, I don't know how long that hike was. It was like three miles, but it had rained the night before. And I would tell you like the mud on this trail was like, you stuck, you know, you ever stuck your foot in mud and when you pull it out, your shoe stays in there. That's what this mud was like. And so what we had to do to get up this trails, we literally had to look at every single step, every single rock. And that is exhausting. 
Like we had to go three miles jumping from rock to rock, basically, all the way up. And guess what? We had to do it on the way down too. And it was just exhausting trying to do every single step. But what the Lord is saying to us and what he impressed on my heart is that when we trust him, when he acknowledges him, we give him all of our heart and our path is straight. We don't have to look down at our feet and plan every step. He takes care of that. And we can look forward and see the glory of God being fulfilled. I can't imagine how many things I missed just looking down at those rocks of the nature I missed by just focusing so far down. But when we trust him and acknowledge him and give him everything that we have, we get to look up and see the glory of God fulfilled in our life. And that is the blessing of this. Because a deep life of trust and a deep life of faith is a life that cannot be explained by the world. That we want people to look at this church We want people to look at our lives and say, there is no way apart from Jesus Christ, there's no way their life could be explained. The way that they've been blessed, the way that they've dealt with circumstances, there's no way it could be explained except by the glory of God and by him showing himself through those people. That is what we want. That is what we're desperate for because we have a kingdom that's at stake. We have a world that's at stake and we want the kingdom to advance. Paul said it another way. He said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And listen to this part, the past straight part. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, perfect, and pleasing will. Don't conform to the patterns of the world. Give everything you have to the Lord and he will prove faithful. So the result of these things is in trusting and leaning and acknowledging is that we have joy instead of sorrow. We have peace instead of chaos. We are kind to the people that we don't like very much. We are kind to the people, I'm going to say it again, that we may not like very much. We got family members where that maybe it's broken. Maybe it's broken, but God, because we trust him and we acknowledge him, we lean on his wisdom, that God says it's okay to love them and you should love them. And we also forgive just as Jesus forgave. And I guess the most important point here is that when we live in the center of this, there's never a time when I don't know that I'm his son. There's never a time where you don't know that you're his daughter. Because you understand that life is not about you, but it's about the glory of God being fulfilled. So as we close out, and band, you guys can come on up if you like. When, I, when I've gone through this verse, I've gone through this verse in years past, God has given me two questions. Two questions that I've kind of pasted on my computer and I've looked at a bunch and I want to share these. These are personal questions that God's given me and they're pretty good so I couldn't have come up with them on my own um, and they're going to be on the screen. But the first question is, and it always leads me back to this and where I don't trust God and where I need him to speak into my heart. First question is, why do I hesitate to give God full access to every part of my life? Why do I hesitate to give God full access to every part of my life? That really begins to expose some areas where I really need to give all of my heart to him. Every single part. And that I can trust him in his wisdom. He has pointed those things out for me. And the second question is, what is the most difficult area of my life to give up control? What is the most difficult area of my life to give up control? I will tell you personally, as a father, my kids are the hardest part because I want to protect them. I want to keep them safe. But the Lord said, those are mine. I'll put them on loan and you're called to raise them. I get that honor and privilege. 
And so where, where, is it, where is it in your life that you have just, just white knuckled it, held on to it, where God's saying, just release it to me, release it so that I can speak to it. So two questions I want you to hear one more time. Why do I hesitate to give God full access to every part of my life? What is the most difficult area of my life to give up control? Psalms 25, chapter, chapter 25, verse four through five says this. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths and guide me in your truth. And teach me, he says it again, teach me. For you are God, my savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This morning, may it, it may be for you, Lord, just teach me how to trust you. Ask him, ask him. I, I guarantee you he pulled proofs faithful. If you just ask him, Lord, teach me. He did it for David, he will do it for you. Just teach me how to trust him. So this morning, as we close our time out, uh, there'll be a time of communion where you can come down and, and take and you can eat and remember uh, right here on the sides. You can also give if you'd like to give. You, you'd like to uh, give a, a, a tithe check. You can do that on the sides as well. Our staff and elders will be at the front and you can come down and if you need prayer or you want to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe this is the time that you want to do that. You can come down and they'll be glad to pray with you. And then the altar here is open as well. But I'll say this, whosoever will for whatever reason, you come, you come and know the Lord is a God that can be trusted and he will prove faithful in your life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you told us that this word will not come back void. And God, I pray that you would just work on our hearts today, Lord, that we would leave a changed people because of who you are and because of what you've done. And that your promises are true and a faith story just like Abraham. We can live that story, but we got to trust you and we got to give you all of our hearts. We got to lean on you and acknowledge you. Lord, teach us how to do that today. Lord, we love you. We praise this in the name of Christ. Amen. You guys stand as we worship and you come.